Sorry, no joke today. This is legit my real voice. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Starting Sustainability. I am your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. I promise this really is Kaylin Chenoweth. Although it sounds like a very older and chronically heavy smoker version of myself. Trust me, I don't smoke. I just can't handle seasonal changes. And it's been like this the last two weeks. The last episode, when I recorded with Channing about the electric cars, I could feel it coming on. I'd been sick for a couple of days. And that was two weeks ago. But because I am super pregnant, I don't get to take any of the drugs that I normally take to help me combat these seasonal allergies. So instead, I just get to suffer through it. And I've had crazy sinuses for like a good week and a half. At least now I'm at the point my sinuses aren't bad anymore. But my throat is awful just from the irritation of like a week and a half worth of drainage going down. it. Believe it or not, two days ago, I couldn't even talk. I was literally whispering. I was like whisper yelling at my kids. Hey, get over here. Because that was the best that I could do. It was so painful and I couldn't talk. And even now... This is this is the best that I have sounded in the last few days, but it's still not great and it's still sore and very uncomfortable for me to talk. After a lot of rest, this is the best voice that I've got and it's a struggle for me to talk and I'm sure it's a struggle for you to hear. So today's episode is just going to be super short and sweet. I really don't even want to record sounding like this because it sounds so horrible, but I also understand that you're relying on an episode, and if an episode doesn't show up, everybody's going to think, what the heck happened to Kaylin? So I am here, alive, safe, and fine. I just sound wicked. (laughs) So for now, we'll do a quick catch-up, and then everything that I was going to talk about for the main content of this week's episodes, I'm just going to save for the next episode. That way you can actually hear and understand it. Catching up in my world, there's a few things that I want to share with everybody. We have a pear tree and we have pears, hundreds and hundreds of pears. And for the last couple of weeks, I've been going out there every couple of days checking them to see if they're getting ripe yet. And we're finally getting to the point where the pears are getting ripe. And I was like, yes, in a couple of days, I'm gonna go out there and harvest all these pears. And I was looking up different recipes on what I could do with these pears. I can make a pear honey and a pear butter. I can can the pears. And then on Sunday night, we had a nasty torrential thunderstorm come through. It knocked out power to our house. It was so wicked. And the majority of those ripe, delicious pears ended up on the ground. And because of the winds, they were like forcefully knocked out of the tree onto the ground and they split open. And so now they're all bruised and covered in bugs, which really sucks. (laughs) And unfortunately, our apple tree that we have on the property, all the apples are turning red now and they're getting ripe. And the same thing happened. The storm knocked most of the apples down. Now that apple tree, like three quarters of that tree is dead. So there weren't that many apples on it to begin with. And a lot of the apples that were there were actually already falling before they were even ripe. So the few that did make it to ripeness were knocked out by the storm. So I was really sad and devastated about that. But I am starting to do some research on apple trees to plant this fall so that way we can get some more apple trees on our property. Because the one that we currently have is, like I said, three quarters dead and I don't know how much longer it's going to last. I don't know if it's a disease. 
I don't know what's going on with it, but we, we want to at least be prepared and start planning for a future and get a couple more apple trees planted so we can continue having an apple harvest for years to come. That power outage though, that was very eye-opening for us because we have, for the first time ever, a sump pump and no power. And we thought we were prepared because it comes with an emergency backup battery. But guess what? The emergency backup battery didn't work. <laughs> the good news is the power company was able to restore power before our house flooded from the sump pump. But it was definitely a wake-up call and an alarm to us that we need to get something figured out very quickly. And of course, here I am, a 35-year-old woman. Who do I call? At midnight, because we don't have any power and we don't know what to do with a sub pump, I called my dad, who was asleep. So I had to start off by saying, everything's okay, we just don't have power, and you're the only person I know that has a sump pump, and I need to know what we need to do to stop our basement from flooding. And of course, my dad, as gentle as can be, says, well, you need a generator. Uh, we don't have one of those. Well, you're going to need a generator. That's all I got for you. Okay, Dad, it's Sunday night, midnight. I'm just going to go buy a generator and get it hooked up in the middle of this thunderstorm. That's not quite how this is going to work. So <laughs> I laugh because we want to lean on our parents, but sometimes our parents are like, figure it out on your own, kid. <laughs> what else did I do these last couple of weeks? Oh, I made a blackberry barbecue sauce from the blackberries that I forged off of our property. I actually made the sauce a while ago. I honestly don't remember if I told you about it, but I made the blackberry barbecue sauce a few weeks ago. So I busted it open and we cooked it with some meatballs and it was so good. So good. I'm going to do that again next year. Unfortunately, there weren't that many blackberries on our property, so I was only able to make two jars of this blackberry sauce, but I will definitely keep this in mind for next year. Our garden has been rock awesome. That BT spray, it's an organic spray that I told everybody about to help stop the squash bugs. It worked, which is great. So we have a whole bunch of butternut squash coming in that survived and yellow squash plants that survived. And with our harvest of all the tomatoes and cucumbers and everything, I've made like four different batches of homemade spaghetti sauce. We made salsa for the first time ever. And we still have a bunch of tomatoes and cucumbers coming in to the point where I'm like just trying to give them away. And we have so much yellow squash at this point. I made a yellow squash herb bread. Think of like a zucchini bread but a savory one. It was like a cheesy, garlicky, oniony, savory one. That was really good. And then I also made a lemon squash bread that was a dessert type bread, kind of like a zucchini bread, but with yellow squash. And that was also really good, except I'm the only one that ate it. <laughs> Turns out nobody in my family likes lemon anything. Lemon cake, lemon, they couldn't get past the lemon flavor. That's fine. I got to eat the whole thing. It's really kind of cool as we harvest all of our vegetables that we grew out of our garden and forage all of these berries and stuff on our property to see in our garage we got metal shelving off of Facebook marketplace and we're seeing it fill up with our preserves with our food that we are going to utilize to feed our family for the next year it's a really good feeling knowing that that I did that because I've never been able to do that before and one of my sisters asked me, hey, did you ever get to go see that movie where the crawdads sing? 
And honestly, I kept making plans to go see this movie because I told everybody on the podcast about the book. I read the book. I loved the book. And I wanted to go see the movie. And I kept making plans. And then life just kept happening to where the plans kept getting bumped back and bumped back. So I can honestly tell you that last night, I went out with my sister, just the two of us. I waited for Channing to come home. We finished up dinner, got the kids in the bed. And then at 7.30 at night, took off to go catch the 8 o'clock showing of Where the Crawdads Sing. So I'm very excited that I finally got to see it. I loved it. I'm not going to say it's a movie for everybody. I'm just going to say that I really liked it and I enjoyed it. And if you're all about female empowerment and surviving life's tough situation, growing up, having difficult relations with boys and stuff... I think every girl can relate (laughs) at some point in time, then this was a very nice movie to go see. I'm not saying you have to go see in theaters. You could wait for this one to come out and watch it at home too. Speaking of watching stuff at home, Channing and I discovered Ozark on Netflix. That is our new show. And I understand we are very late to the game, but holy moly, this show is an addictive rush for sure. We cannot stop watching it or talking about it and we turn it off to go to bed and the next morning we are still talking about it and we're like planning out hey okay if we get the kids into bed on time we could squeeze in one episode before we have to go to bed and wake up super early in the morning that's where we're at with this show Ozark is is good it's very it's not for everybody it's definitely not for everybody <laughs> but it was very thrilling on the edge of your seat kind of TV show that we really enjoy And we're at that point of time in the year. About three, four weeks ago, I planted seeds to start little seedlings for our fall garden. And all the little seedlings came up and then they all wilted right over. I don't know what I did wrong, but I haven't really had much success starting things from seed. I've done well when I get plants already three, four months old at a nursery and plant those. But we did go out and buy the wood to put together another raised garden bed for our fall garden because our summer garden is still going. So I'm going to keep those plants alive and keep harvesting off of it. And we just built up another little bed. We got the wood, we put the frame together. I still got to get the garden soil and everything. And that was such an ordeal back in the spring. I really don't want to, but I know I'm going to have to. And then I'll try planting these very puny, wilty seedlings and see if I can revive them. Hopefully, worst case scenario, I go back to the nursery, the plant nursery, and get some fall vegetable plants to plant into the garden bed. Now, today's episode is launching on Labor Day, and I hope that everybody has a wonderful, fantastic Labor Day. I don't know if you're going to listen to this podcast on Labor Day. Maybe you'll listen to it tomorrow on Tuesday. That's perfectly fine. I wanted to do a little summary of the history of Labor Day to honor Labor Day, and I also wanted to have a discussion about goats being sustainable. Since my voice is really crappy and I can hear it squeaking now, I can feel I'm losing it the more that I talk. I'm just going to do a quick information session about the Labor Day holiday and how it came to be, and I'm going to save the goats information for the next episode when you can hear me more clearly. I initially started looking into the Labor Day holiday because I was curious where it came from and the history behind it. Today, nowadays, the Labor Day holiday is really viewed as time off of work, 
It's a three-day weekend at the end of the summer. Kids are back in school, but everybody has a nice little barbecue with their family. It's the last celebration of summertime, the last dip in the pool, before everything kind of starts closing up. As I looked into the history of Labor Day, I realized that it's very complex and dramatic, much more than most might realize. Let's travel back to the 1800s, where it was really common for laborers to be very overworked, with long hours, no days off, they would work in unsafe environments and be paid poorly. That was when labor unions were beginning to be formed and labor strikes were becoming more and more prevalent. In 1893, during a nationwide economic recession, George Pullman, who was the owner of Pullman Railroad Sleeping Car Company, he laid off hundreds of employees. And those who were lucky enough to keep their jobs were rewarded with a 30% wage cut. And at the same time, George Pullman ran the company's town, Pullman, Illinois, and that's just south of Chicago. So he ran this railroad sleeping car company, and then he also ran a town, Pullman, Illinois, where most of his employees lived. So he laid off hundreds of his employees. Those that got to stay had a massive wage reduction. And at the same time, George Pullman refused to lower rents or store prices within the town And this forced a huge financial crisis on the town's residents. Therefore, the Pullman workers were pretty angry, as you can imagine. And so they walked out on a strike in May of 1894. And the following month, the American Railway Union and its leader, Eugene Debs, declared a sympathy boycott for all trains using Pullman cars. So the Pullman workers went on strike and the American Railway Union sympathized with them and said, not only are the employees on strike, we're not going to use any Pullman cars because we do not support this George Pullman guy. The Pullman strike stopped railroad traffic and commerce or trade of goods in 27 states, stretching all the way from Chicago to the West Coast, so the whole western side of the United States. Let's take a moment to reflect. COVID just happened, where we were facing a lot of supply chain issues and food shortages and toilet paper shortages and everybody was up in a panic. It was like that, but significantly worse. In order to end the strike, a group that represented Chicago's railroad companies reached out to the federal government for help. Ironically, as the strike was happening, Congress passed legislation in June of 1894, making the first Monday in September a federal legal holiday to recognize and celebrate the laborers, known as Labor Day. Grover Cleveland was the president at that time, and he signed the bill into law on June 28, 1894. The very next day, on June 29th, Eugene Dubbs, do you remember him? He was the railroad guy that was in support of those who were striking. He gave a speech in Blue Island, Illinois, where crowded members set fires to nearby buildings and derailed a locomotive attached to the U.S. mail train. The U.S. Attorney General at the time was Richard Olney, and he used the incident as an excuse to ask for an injunction against the strike and its leaders from the Federal District Court in Chicago. The following day, President Cleveland, who only two days prior signed the bill for a holiday to recognize laborers, 
he dispatched federal troops to the city to enforce the injunction. You have to understand at this point in time, the political parties were on opposite sides, just like they are in every single topic. So you had a political party who was pro-labor and a political party who was not, I don't want to say they're anti-labor, they just weren't supportive of the labor unions and whatnot. And it was the Democratic Party who was pro-labor at that time, which is why President Grover Cleveland signed on to the bill, but then at the same time, two days later, sent out federal troops to stop the strike. So he only wanted to look like he was pro-labor while taking action against the laborers. And guess what happened when the federal troops arrived at the strike? The Pullman strike turned bloody and it became a massacre. The National Guardsmen fired into a mob on July 7th, killing as many as 30 people and wounding many others. 13 days later, on July 20th, federal troops were finally recalled from Chicago and the Pullman strike was declared over. As for Eugene Debs, he was the big guy in charge of the American Railway Union who called for a boycott on the Pullman cars. He was arrested at the height of the violence, along with several other American Railway Union leaders, and they were charged with violating the injunction and had to serve six months in jail. So there you have it, your fun-filled fact of the day that you can share on Labor Day weekend to get the conversation going. As you celebrate with your family and enjoy your barbecue, do remember the laborers who literally fought with their lives to obtain safe working conditions, fair wages, and set business hours. But also take time to reflect on the politicians who signed on for this holiday only to look supportive of laborers while sending in federal troops to violently stop the strike. Let's go ahead and do our challenge for this episode. The card says, host an exchange with your friends where you can swap unwanted clothes, books, shoes, and accessories. Oh, that would be called a swap party. Oh, yeah. You can make it as big or small as you want. You can put rules and stimulations on it. You can swap whatever it is that you want. But I do recommend that you do that, and I highly recommend doing that before Christmas because then everybody's got gift-giving on their mind, and they're going to want some stuff to give away to other people. If you have ever hosted a swap party yourself or even attended one, share your experience on the Facebook group Starting Sustainability to help others learn about it and give them ideas on what they can do for their swap parties. The next episode will air on September 19th, two weeks from now. Hopefully I have a good, strong, pure voice back at that point in time. Until then, Sustainer Nation, continue to save the world and I will talk to you all again on September 19th. Have a great one. Bye. There are so many wonderful people doing amazing things around the globe. If you want to hear more about what we're doing down under, jump on over to Unbook Your Shopping Cart, a podcast who speaks to companies who have the eco thing down pat with some simple tips and hints on how you or your workplace can make small changes that can add up to a whole lot. Together, we can start a movement and make this planet a whole lot greener.